Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Three Point Podcast. Up to over 7,000 listens on SoundCloud alone. Unbelievable. Our sponsors tonight include Rivals, Tap House and Grill, the area's premier sports pub, and the spot to be for the Final Four in Monday's championship game. Also, our sponsors of our Three Point Pod Bracket Challenge. That's coming down to the wire. And also on board is the Corona Connection and our podcast studio home, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fattel of WJSZ Radio is right here in the studio with me. We'll also be joined again tonight by Jack Strap and his different take on sports. And again, we mentioned Corona Connection. Three Point Podcast is excited to be partners with the Corona Connection. The Corona Connection is a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. You can also pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses and also Kroger. The Corona Connection was founded to create a platform for Corona residents and students to connect. Like them on Facebook and you can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. Well, tonight's three points. We'll talk Final Four and Michigan basketball, of course. I also had a chance earlier today to record an interview with Ferris State uh, play-by-play broadcaster Rob Bentley, and we'll also talk a little Major League Baseball with the Tigers. But, Jared, tee it up, man. I am amped. Michigan is in the Final Four, but I'm not happy with who they face. As I said before, I'm a big-time Sister Jean fan. She's still breathing, brother. And this is what I just had to say. I'm annoyed with everyone that's sort of turning on her. Well, first <laughs> off, if you are if, if you ever, were ever liked on the internet, you've done something right. <laughs> and now it's like everyone's turning on her. Sister Jean is what makes college basketball so good. And I remember you last week, Ted, saying how you're sick of her being on the air so much. So I just, I, I hate you. Well, I, hate, I hate that type of person. That's okay. I'm, I have my opinion on that. And I, my whole point on that was I just don't like seeing the microphone after every game stuck in her face. What can she bring to the table? It's a nice story. I agree with that. <laughs> it, it was a nice story those first couple rounds. But what else is she adding to, to the story? I mean, maybe they can talk to her a little bit. But I would, if I was on that team, I would be like, hey, man, why am I not getting any face time? I, this is our chance. We're making the run to the Final Four. We're the ones out here playing. Why are you talking to me? And that worries me just a little bit because all the focus is off the fact that this Loyola team, it's a pretty damn good basketball team. Yeah, I mean, they have, yeah, like you said, very good team. They they have Sister Jean, a uh, very good head coach in Porter Moser, uh, Clayton Custer in Marquise Towns, or they can ball. And, oh, did I forget they have Sister Jean? And- I just have Sister Jean <laughs> fever. I can't get enough. Oh my! Well, I know. I know you guys. You probably saw this. That she. Uh, I mean, she's obviously a nun and everything. She gave up losing for Lent, but Lent actually ends today. Today, absolutely right. <laughs> Lucky for us. I will. She. She. <laughs> did you see that she has like multiple brackets? Uh-oh. Ted. Oh, so like Ted. Me? Yeah. Ted, the multiple brackets guy. Now, you should love this. Let me listen, young fella. Let's get right to the point. I have two brackets because I have the identical bracket for rivals as I do in your little contest. Yes. And I got one other bracket. So that's two. Count them. Two. Two different brackets. Is that so bad? It's multiple brackets. Is it not? It's it's multiple. Okay, I'll give you that. 
I did see, speaking of multiple brackets, I saw someone, I, I don't know who it was, it was someone random, uh, tweeted out to, like, Jay Billis and Jay Williams and a bunch of, like, ESPN commentators, something about, I think they were talking about the Final Four and talking about brackets, and they said something about, I actually had Michigan going to the Final Four in one of my brackets, and Billis responded and said, <laughs> oh, one of your brackets? A lot of conviction there. Yeah. So basically saying, like, you know, when people brag about, yeah, in one of my brackets, I had Michigan going to the Final Four, it's like, well, that doesn't really say Yeah, it's always in the other. Other bracket. You know, and I'll, I'll give you credit for that. I will say that if you're talking a bracket, you should only have one bracket. Now, mm-hmm. the only one I have been talking about, just so we're fair here, fair to the old fella, I've only been talking one bracket. You were bragging about, about it heavy last but, week. But it was really the only bracket that I was talking about on this show. Mm-hmm. I wasn't bragging about it. Oh, yeah, heavy. you were. In what way? You're I said, hey, you... Kentucky was still doing good, right? <laughs> You're just like I still have three in the final four. You're just like the rest of us. Yeah, all right, just because your bracket's you know, crap. You know what? My my mom had me. My mom had me fill out her bracket for her. Oh, no, now we know the rest. It's her of the bracket. Story. I know. I, it's her. I literally filled it out just like picking teams. Like it took me like a minute. So you have multiple brackets. She's then. in first place. I know she is. And you have multiple brackets. If you filled I it out, that's not my bracket. That's her bracket. Well, I don't count that bracket as mine at all. Well, since you're bringing it up, guys, let's talk about it right now. We do have a contest, Three Point Pod, and Rivals teamed up for uh, March Madness. And even though Mary Lynn has a ghost picker in Jared, she's in first place. Mary Lynn Fattel, how about that? I'm sitting in second place right now. It's not going to last because I had Kentucky. <laughs> I saw that. But we have uh, Marcus, we have Bubs2423, Barn Beater Caswell, and Mrs. Jones in order. It's a pretty good contest, fellas. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sort of I'm done with brackets for a while. I, I just <laughs> what I learned this year is just fill it out. I, I spent like three hours studying it, studying it. I've never studied anything so hard in my life. Like it was like the biggest biggest test of my life. But I just learned <laughs> that to just fill well it out for you too. Yeah, yeah, it's not going well. It's one of those things. I think we mentioned it uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about brackets. Like that, I'm kind of the same way. I, I have fun with it still, but I fill them out like first gut reaction type of thing, and then that's it because. If I try and go back and, like, really look up stats and trends and stuff like that and, and make changes, it doesn't really matter. So I just go through, I fill it out, gut, gut feeling, and just go with it, you know, just have fun. Yep, same here. I don't t- I don't really spend any time stressing So how do, how do you guys think Loyola and Michigan match up? How, how do you see this game, like, sort of playing out? <sighs> I mean, I, I think Loyola, you, you just mentioned it. Loyola is, they're legit. I mean, they're definitely on a Cinderella run. They're on one of those, they, they got hot at the right time type of things. So they are riding that wave right now, but they're a legit team. You wouldn't be in the Final Four if you couldn't play. Uh, I do think Michigan might be the best defensive team that they've run up against, so I think that could be the biggest thing. And, and I mean, Michigan, they obviously got hot against A&M, and they were just shooting the lights out. Um, they, they cooled off a little bit against Florida State, but if they can get that shot rolling and start making threes, but they, they need to ride their defense. If they can lock down on defense, create a bunch of turnovers, I think Michigan will be fine. But, hey, th- those Cinderella stories, those you know, those teams that are just riding that, like, hot wave, that's nothing to mess with. So uh, Michigan definitely shouldn't be taking them lightly. You know, beeline a week to prepare, too, makes a big difference, I think, too. But, if, but again, Loyola, we talked about it. They have a very good team, and, you know, they don't have any one-and-dones, one do they? They stick around, and they play as a team. One big thing, when, especially come tournament time, is experience. I mean, you can have all those the diaper dandies and, and the you know blue-chip freshmen that come in, but sometimes you would take a guy that's in his third or fourth year over that, that freshman that's really talented just because they have the experience. What I see in this game, what really stuck out to me is 
Mo, Mo Wagner, is gonna, he's going to have to have a big game. Yeah. He's got a mismatch. I mean, he's literally getting guarded by a guy who has a neck beard in Cameron <laughs> Crowley. The guy has a neck beard. He should not be able to cover Mo Wagner. We're going to need him to have a really good game, like 20-plus points. Yeah, and that big guy has been playing pretty good, though. He is. I mean, for, for I, I respect it. Yeah. As a freshman, he doesn't look like he's good, but he's played really well yeah. all tournament. Looks can be deceiving, for sure. <laughs> you know how everyone's like kind of going off about Loyola's offense? It, it just reminded me... I just can't wait until like next year when it's like every high school team and like every like you know lower level college teams like new offense sort of like how you know Pete Carroll's Princeton offense exploded after like their 1985 or 1995 was that the year when they upset UCLA like how they just exploded you watch now you're gonna see everyone's gonna be running the Loyola offense these days now yeah well we'll see we'll see what happens like Matt said against Michigan's defense that thing was something else in that uh, Florida State game. I mean, really, that won the game for him. Don't you guys agree? That was the biggest thing to me watching that Florida State game was was the defense from both teams because Florida State played just as good defensively as Michigan did. But Florida State, man, they had some people, some dudes that were just insanely athletic blocking. They, I don't know how many block shots they had, but it seemed like a bunch. But I think the most impressive thing to me, and I've talked about it a lot, is, is Xavier Simpson playing defensively at the point guard position. He, he's the type of dude that if I was playing him and pick up ball or something like that, he would just frustrate the hell out of me because he just seems to get up in you. He doesn't let you get by. I mean, he had a couple possessions at the end of the game that, that he just – his defense was incredible. So – uh, Charles Matthews and uh, and Rockman, they're they're incredibly skilled defensively too. So, I think Michigan's defense is going to be the biggest difference in this game. If if you ask me, I think that's what it's going to be. I was going to say too, guys. I mean, this is a good time to tee it up in that Florida State game. At the end of the game, you know, there was. 10, 10.5 seconds to go, Michigan up by four, and uh, Florida State elects not to foul, and it became a controversial thing with the post-game interview. First of all, here's here's one opinion I have. you got to quit talking with the losing coaches after games. What what, what do you really get sure, out of that? I thought for sure you were going to be on the complete other spectrum. Well, no, I don't, I don't see any benefit whatsoever of talking to the losing coach, number one. Now, his strategy... I, I think was completely flawed. How do you give up with 10 and a half seconds to go in college basketball with all we see can happen? Well, what do you guys think about that? Especially with the way that Michigan has shot free throws all season. Right. I think that they would give it one more shot. It definitely was kind of crazy. People are blowing it up way out of proportion, I think. Well, I think the odds were Michigan was going to win anyway, but yeah. it certainly wasn't over. I think the coach got caught up in the moment. He didn't really realize the situation. Now, in the interview situation, he bit his tongue pretty good, but boy, if looks could kill, huh? You know, what cracks me up about him, he's 70 years old. Doesn't he look like he's like 40? Yeah, it's he, like, he's in good shape. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. That was like the most shocking thing I saw all weekend was that he's 70 years old. It was definitely strange, though, to, yeah, to see them not even try it one more time. I mean, there were 10 seconds left. Like you said, if you get a foul, that's at least you could have another whole possession, maybe even two possessions, depending on how it goes. So, yeah. I mean, I was fine with it. When I saw the clock running out, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I definitely thought they were going to foul one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one guy they were going to have to follow was Duncan Robinson because I think he caught the ball. So yeah. Yeah. it was pretty well done. Do you guys see the the one advantage that Michigan might have, uh, the assistant coach, that he's a first-year assistant with Michigan this year? Did you read anything about that? No, lay it on. Luke Yaklich. So he came on, he's uh, he's an assistant coach with Michigan this year, but he, for the last four or five years, was an assistant coach at Illinois State, and they played Loyola a lot in, uh, I think, in the regular season, but in tournament play also. And they actually have beat them a few times. So he has a lot of experience uh, recruiting and, and um, coaching and game planning against Loyola. So 
So it's kind of it's just one of those random things. Like the year that Michigan meets Loyola in the Final Four, they have a first-year assistant on the staff that has a ton of experience uh, game planning against Loyola. So that's it's something that you know uh, is it going to actually help Michigan? Maybe, maybe not, but it doesn't hurt. You didn't know that John Beeline could see in the future, Matt. And I definitely knew that he could. So I, I should give him credit for that. Actually, you're right. It's one of the reasons why you picked Michigan to go all the way in your bracket, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh- so if Michigan does get by Loyola, I think they will. I don't want to, you know, count my chickens before right. they hatch or whatever. But who do you think like comes out on the other side, Villanova and Kansas, or who are you, who do you not want to see? I know me personally, Villanova scares me. They have white guys that can dunk. I mean, <laughs> wow. Devin Chenzo, like Devin Chenzo, that guy can fly. He's had like three putback dunks. Yeah. Yeah, I think like uh, our our pod that we had a few weeks ago with the couple guests that we had, they they both picked Villanova, and they both kind of said the same thing. And similar to what I was saying earlier, Villanova has has the guys that you're talking about, Jared, and experience. Like if you look from like top to bottom, and Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in college basketball right now too. So so like the whole formula, I guess Villanova really has it all. But I mean, Kansas is no joke either. But um, Kansas usually it, it just seems like they come up short. I don't know. Like Bill Self seems to come up short more often than not but but no as far as your question like who would you rather see I think I would rather see Kansas just because of that Villanova is just such a complete basketball team but either either one it would be a best uh, or a huge test for Michigan but they got to get by Loyola first it's a weird thing but I just have a feeling it's going to be Kansas beating Villanova for some reason I think it's between Michigan and uh, Kansas in the championship game I like our chances honestly I, I think that we're probably the underdog there but I like our chances as you say Michigan Kansas today Five years ago was when Trey Burke yep. hit that shot against Kansas. So, Ooh, so maybe that's a maybe memory. that's a sign. An omen, baby. You, I got one one thing that just kind of bothered me. Okay. Did you see that Villanova, like on Twitter, you know, the Twitter sphere? Yeah. They're now saying like Villanova has like a pope or whatever or a priest. Right. This just reminded me of this is like sort of Matt's generation, like Mean Girls. Like, stop <laughs> trying to make fetch happen here. There's one sister gene. There's not two. There's never going to be another sister gene. So just give me sister gene. I don't need this other Villanova pope or priest or whatever to, you know, be their version of sister gene. Well, you know, if the pope does step in, you're going to see Loyola and Villanova in the championship yeah. game, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, I mean, Harbaugh gave the Pope some Jordans, so that should help a little bit, right? Well, that definitely should help, yes. <laughs> did you guys see, uh, I mean, you're hating, you're hating on that, Jared, but did you see Jalen Rose's 100-year-old grandma call out Sister Jean? <laughs> I did. I Sister Jean is unfortunately my enemy now, but oh. she, she had a good run. She had a good run. I really enjoyed her. Hey, guys, any, before we wrap up this Division One talk in the brackets, that's going to be a great, great uh, Final Four and National Championship. You know, we uh, I think we've ticked off a few of our Spartan fans out there. Okay, that wouldn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me either. Now again, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the record straight. This is not a fence setting thing. Middle middle. Uh, don't man give me that. Ted. Don't give me that crap. I'm not middleman Ted. I uh, my thought process again is I don't know how you can hate on Michigan State. If you didn't go to one of the other schools, I just don't get it. I live in the state of Michigan. I like both, but I have a rooting interest in Michigan. I made that clear. It's not sitting on the fence, okay? But here's what I'm going to tell you. You know, and if anybody out there wants to email us, what's our email address, Matt? Threepointpod at gmail.com. Let me just say this real quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm a proud Walmart Wolverine, okay? okay? I don't need to go to Michigan to be a Wolverine fan, but continue. Well, you, the only reason you hate them is because your buddies like them. <laughs> We've already made that clear. 
But, but you know, we were talking about uh, Izzo strategy last week, and I got hit up on uh, Facebook from a, a big Michigan State Spartan fan, Tim, and he says, wait, this is after he watched uh, your little YouTube thing, Matt, you put together with our audio in the background. And he said, wait, hold it. Whoever is criticizing Izzo for his lineup down the stretch against Syracuse doesn't understand basketball. How about that? Did he give anything behind that? Well, I responded back to him. I said, so you would have played Carter plus 20 minutes and not figure out how to have J.J. or Bridges at the free throw line. And I I said a few other things. He responded back. This is the killer line, I thought, in the whole back and forth. He said, well, after the game, J.J. said he didn't know what to do at that position. Are you kidding me? 30 games into a college basketball season? Yeah, a a coach would teach somebody like that. So we got people listening, fellas. We got Spartans listening, too. I love it. I am going to keep on ticking you Spartan fans off because it's what I do. It's what makes me happy. It gives me fulfillment. Sometimes that's what keeps them coming back, too. They they just can't turn it off because they just – they want to hear us hate on Michigan State, right? Well, and you heard the news recently. We'll move on, but uh, Nick Ward's put his name in the draft. He hasn't hired an agent yet, and Bridges officially leaving Michigan State. Now the big question mark is uh, J.J. I think there's no doubt he's going, but there's a lot of Spartans out there holding hope. If he returns, Tom Izzo might be the smartest man in the world. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, maybe that's why he benched him, because he wanted Jaron Jackson to come back. I did see – Ben Carter did sign with like some team in Jerusalem or something like that. Yeah. So, so maybe Izzo was trying to help him out and get get some minutes on his tape so he could put, go play go play pro overseas. Yeah, he was the first official pro from that Spartan team. Amazing. Right. One final thing, I just want to throw it on the table. I know Jared, you're a big gambling guy. Did you see that uh, uh, a, a gentleman in Vegas has a chance to win a million dollars on the Michigan Wolverines? He actually owns a casino in Vegas, the D in Las Vegas. That's in Old Town, uh, Las Vegas, and he made a bet. With with uh, the guy that owns a golden nugget, 40 to 1 odds, a $25,000 bet. He has a chance to take home a million dollars if uh, Michigan wins. How about that? Well, hopefully he wins some money then. Yeah, I, I, I love being on the same side as the Sharks. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, before we move on, I just want to remind people that we're extremely happy to be teamed up with the gang at Rivals. Rivals Tap House and Grill, they're proud to be a booster of Corona, Owasso, and our other area school districts. Meet up with your friends, catch your favorite sporting events, including the Final Four on their 21 TVs. Rivals can accommodate your large or small parties and is a great spot to put on your fundraising events. And if you're hungry, well, you certainly won't be when you leave Rivals. Weekly food and drink specials, including great burgers, wings, and pizza, along with home homemade soup and salad. If you're thirsty, Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Join us anytime you're in the mood for some fun and great food and drink. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. Seconds left, Ferris State with a 71-69 lead. Smith being challenged to Paterka. Long three, off the mark, and the Ferris State Bulldogs are the Division II National Champions. Ooh. for a three-point pod one-on-one. On the phone with me is the voice of the Bulldog Sports Network and Sunny 97.3, Rob Bentley. Rob, 
What a great call along with your partner, Sandy Goldston. How exciting was that game and finish? You know, it was really exciting and unbelievable uh, game uh, between two great teams. And it was uh, really thrilling to win a championship, uh, first national championship in school history. And, you know, just a tremendous accomplishment for our, our student athletes and, and our coaching staff uh, for, for what was a historic season. And it's got to sound really good. Division two national champions in men's basketball, the Ferris State Bulldogs, 38-1. and What the heck happened in that loss? You know, it was uh, one of those losses uh, that uh, came against one of our conference rivals in Lake Superior State. And, you know, there's some great competition in the GLIAC, I think, which really helped prepare us for what was a outstanding run here in the postseason. But, uh, you know, it was back in middle part of December. We we actually had a couple guys that were sick that week. Uh, not that that's an excuse or anything. Um, you know, they were a great basketball team, too. And uh, we we were able to beat them three times after that. So uh, I think we avenged that loss and, and then obviously uh, went on to a great run. But the GLIAC really helped prepare us, uh, I think, for what we – we faced in the tournament well and an incredible run five points kept you away from 39 and one but i think you'll take 38 and one in the national championship 26 straight w's to end the season that championship game 71 69 over northern state out of north dakota their last second three-pointer fell short of course what was it like there being a part of that broadcasting that i know you're a big part of ferris state athletics but walk us through what it felt like to be actually a part of that moment you know, it was just a tremendous moment. Um, you know, they had an unbelievable crowd, 3,500-plus uh, uh, sellout crowd, and, you know, I think our fans were outnumbered 10 to 1. We we had a good crowd uh, ourselves, and our, our fans were loud, but, uh, you know, they definitely had the home court advantage. Um, you know, just being in that situation, though, and having a chance to compete for a national title was, was exciting. My first one uh, here at Ferris State, my first one in 26 years uh, working in Division II basketball, going back to my college days. So, you know, just to get to the Elite Eight was, was outstanding, and then to see our team go through that three-game run and, you know, three tough opponents, and they all came down to the wire. It was it was just exciting to see them uh, be, be able to pull that out, and uh, really I don't think you could have scripted a, a better end for the, for the season uh, than what we were able to do last week in Sioux Falls. Well, you know, we're coming up on the Division I uh, Final Four in the Alamo Dome down in uh, San Antonio, but uh, from watching on television, you know, Rob, that uh, that venue, the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, looked like uh, quite the intimate uh, setup, and man, that place was loud. It, it was, and it was loud. It didn't take a, a whole lot of people to make it loud. Uh, you know, we saw that in the first day with, uh, you know, obviously some teams that uh, were coming from long distances playing, but um, you know, it was just a tremendous venue, a uh, very new uh, facility and uh, kind of unusual. It's shaped like a Pentagon, had some, some practice courts uh, around the arena that kind of surrounded it to the outside. And, you know, it was just a tremendous environment for Division Two basketball and really showcased, I think, uh, you know, this level of competition and, and what it's like to play at the Division Two level. Well, let's talk about the team a little bit here, and let's start with Fear the Beard, your head coach. Only 34 years old, his fifth season there at Ferris. Tell us what he meant to, uh, as far as leadership for this squad. You know, he's he's a guy that came in uh, five years ago uh, with a plan and a plan to to make something like this happen. You know, he's just a guy that the the guys love playing for. Uh, you know, really uh, is active in the community and has has put this basketball program you know out in the community. And you know, one of the things they do after every game is they they go up into the stands. They you know they hug the fans, they shake hands, and uh, you know they did that after the national championship win. So uh, you know it's something that they they have done and they believe in. And you know I think he uh, he really set the tone for for what they were able to accomplish. You know by the plan. He he put in place when, when he took over well you know coach andy comes from a small michigan town he played i believe at cornerstone and uh man just a tremendous job with all that pressure coming down to the wire 
I mean, he had to be tickled. Oh, he he certainly was, and you know he's a guy that uh, has been a winner wherever he's been. You know, from McBain High School to Cornerstone, where he was an All-American, and then now obviously to Ferris State, uh, where you know he started as a volunteer assistant. You know, when we went to hire a new head coach, I'm not sure he was the first choice, but he was the guy that ended up getting the job, and uh, you know has really proven himself. I, th- I think with what he's been able to accomplish here over the past four or five years. You know, I know there's been talk about the beard, and by the way, an impressive beard, I might add. You don't see many uh, many college coaches rocking that thing. Maybe that might be a statement for him, kind of like the Lions coach. You know, I'm not sure exactly how it how it started. Uh, he did it last year, and then, you know, at the end of the year, uh, kind of shaved it off, and he decided to grow back again this season. And, you know, it was tough to cut it with the way uh, we've played the last couple of years, 28-5, uh, and five, and then obviously this year, 38-1, and one, uh, you know, setting the all-time Division II record for most wins in a season. And you know, I think uh, it's going to be hard uh, not to go with it uh, here in the future by by what's uh, happened with uh, the way we've played over the past couple seasons with him wearing it. Talking with Rob Bentley, the play-by-play voice of Ferris State's Bulldogs, and uh, you know, you mentioned you guys had a really good season a year ago, and I'm sure the expectations were high. Did the reality really set in that you could really do something and make a run to a title when you went down to the Breslin Center and only lost by eight to a very strong? Michigan State Spartan team? You know, I think uh, obviously we had a great uh, nucleus coming back. We added a, a couple of key transfers that came in this season. Um, you know, so I think the the pieces were there. You know, when we went down and played uh, in East Lansing, uh, really uh, really proved, I think, how, how good of a basketball team we could be and uh, got off to a great start in the regular season by, by beating a couple of top ten ranked teams at the, the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. And, you know, from there it just kind of steamrolled. I, I'm not sure uh, there was any one point in the season where we, we said, well, you know, this is a national championship caliber team, but, you know, we thought it was a team that was going to be able to compete, uh, you know, for a conference title again and compete for a regional championship. And, and if you can do that in our region, you, you know, you have a good chance to, to do some great things when you come out of the region. And, you know, fortunately we got the regional at home. Uh, we're able to do that, but, you know, I think there were a couple other teams in there, uh, you know, Finley and Bellarmine in our region that, you know, if they would have had the opportunity maybe to, to host this regional or, or maybe, uh, you know, knock us off in that regional tournament, you know, they, they could have done the same thing. Just uh, really proves how strong this, this region and, and, and our conference specifically uh, was. Well, we talked about your coach, and uh, obviously it takes players too. You have an outstanding nucleus, but really the guy that makes it roll Division II Player of the Year, Zach Hankins, six foot ten, two hundred fifty-five pounds, and he kind of was under the radar in his high school career because of an injury his senior year, and the Bulldogs were fortunate enough to scoop in on him, right? Yeah, you know, he uh, missed most all of his senior season, I think, with the exception of the final two games. And, you know, it was a guy that really wasn't recruited by anybody because, uh, you know, they hadn't seen him play. And, you know, fortunately, our coaches saw him at a team camp that we actually hosted here on campus, um, you know, offered him uh, a little bit of money to come in with a chance to earn uh, earn more and earn some playing time. And, you know, he was able to do that. Played uh, as a redshirt freshman behind, you know, a, another great center that we had in Jared Stalicker and uh, really uh, learned from him and then and then obviously uh, has taken it and ran with it over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, two-time BLEAC Player of the Year, two-time Regional Player of the Year, and now uh, the National Player of the Year. And, you know, there's there's not been a player like him that I've seen in Division Two basketball in 26 years. You know, just his size and, and the way he moves and, and the way he shoots the ball is, is impressive. 
impressive. And, you know, I think he's the first to, to credit his teammates. You know, we had an outstanding senior class that, uh, you know, kind of helped pave the way for him. And, uh, you know, fortunately, our, our team was very unselfish and, you know, uh, let him uh, really, really do what he could. And, uh, you know, when it came to crunch time, he was he was the guy that we were going to go to. Well, Coach Brankema and uh, Mr. Zach Hankins going down for their uh, award presentations at the Final Four. How exciting is that? Do you get to go along as well? You know, I wish, but uh, no. After uh, a couple weeks uh, here, uh, a busy month of March, uh, I'm ready for a break. But you know, they will be down there. Uh, you know, Coach Brockema was going to the Final Four anyway, and now a, a chance to earn uh, or receive his National Coach of the Year honor at the banquet in front of you know a lot of colleagues and a lot of college basketball coaches from across the country. And then, and then Zach uh, get, gets the trip as well after earning the National Player of the Year honor from the NABC. So you know, it's going to be great to have them uh, represented down there. We'll have our, our school president. I think and his wife are planning to go down and attend the banquet and you know obviously our assistant coach uh, will be there as well so you know we'll have a good representation and and fortunately those guys uh you know are going to be recognized uh on one of the biggest stages uh here at the final four before i wrap up here with you rob i ha- you brought up the college president and did i see him in the band uh, participating with the pep band down there yeah, he's he's getting some coverage as well, President Eisler. Uh, but you know he's he's done that uh, since he's been here here at Figaro State for the last decade or so. And it's not not just basketball; it's it's football, it's volleyball, it's hockey. You know, just a tremendous supporter of uh, Ferris State athletics and what we're trying to do here as an athletic department. And you know, it, it's nice to see him get some attention as well because uh, you know he does have a, a degree in uh, clarinet performance, I believe. And uh, you know that's something he enjoys doing. And you know, it's it's his way of supporting our team. And uh, you know, the I know the pep band loves to have him and and uh we're, we're excited about having him uh in the band every every game as well all right before we wrap it up you got spring sports coming up uh, and uh your your overall athletic program really is is right at the top in division two here in the state of michigan what, what do you attest that to rob you know i think uh you know we've always had a, a strong history uh here in college athletics you know back in the 90s uh had some great football teams uh some great basketball teams and baseball and wrestling and whatever else it was um you know i think here over the past five or six years you know with a new athletic director perk weisenberger coming in has really set the stage for what we've been able to accomplish and you know it's not just in men's basketball uh you know we've had a number of other sports that have been right there and and had an opportunity to to do the same thing whether it's been uh you know hockey reaching the frozen four or football playing in the national semifinals you know men's and women's golf and tennis have always been strong here at ferris state so you know, there's a, a great uh, group of coaches and athletes, I think, that have uh, really uh, devoted a, a lot of time and energy to, to making this happen. And, you know, I think uh, hopefully uh, men's basketball is the one that broke the seal, and we'll have some other teams uh, here in the near future with an opportunity again to, to contend for national championships. Uh, you know, obviously the goal is to earn your college degree first and foremost at this level, but, uh, you know, when you can win and, and compete in national tournament competition, you know, it's, it's really exciting for the student-athletes. Well, you know, Three Point Podcast, that's our show here that you're on. Uh, three Corona guys, three different generations, and a guy a little closer to my generation, Tony Anise, your head football coach. Quickly, before we wrap up, uh, what, what's he mean to your program up there in football? I know had a heartbreaking loss in that last, season, last game of the season last year, but uh, he's really got the Bulldog football squad looking good. 
You know, he does. He's done an outstanding job here at Ferris State in rejuvenating our, our football program and, you know, has developed this program into one of the, the top contenders year in and year out in the country uh, here over the past five years and, you know, really an outstanding ambassador here for Ferris State University. Um, you know, I did our, our basketball broadcast on Saturday and no more than had uh, really uh, got to the end of that game and got off the air and he was he was the first person to text me and congratulate me. So, you know, he's just an outstanding person and I really enjoy working with him and, and watching what he's been able to do uh, here with Bulldog football and you know it was a, a tough loss at the end of the year but you know I have no doubt that he'll uh, have this program back and in in the same position again uh, competing for a, a conference title and hopefully a national championship uh, come this fall. All right Rob Bentley thanks for the time and for joining me here one-on-one on three-point podcast I look forward to checking in with you periodically to talk bull, Bulldog sports all right. Hey, no problem. Thanks, and we we appreciate uh, your coverage, and uh, it's always uh, great to celebrate a national championship uh, w- with whoever we could find. There you go. All right. Thanks, Rob. Well, I had a great time talking with Rob there, guys. What do you think about Ferris, and did you get a chance to watch that on TV? Man, what a great, great atmosphere. I did. It was a great game. I love that gym, like the it Pentagon. Is. It's really cool. Yeah. But I had no idea they were any good until like a week ago. But in, not only are they obviously the Division Two national champions, but they're really good. Really I mean, good. Their Mister Basketball was a six man on their team. Yeah. The like three like three years ago, like Deshaun Thrower. Yeah, Deshaun Thrower. He was like Mister Basketball three years ago. Right. He's a six man on his team. And they got the National Coach of the Year, the National Player of the Year in Division Two, and they're down in uh, San Antonio getting their awards this weekend. It was it's just a tremendous story. Their athletics program overall is actually pretty good. Obviously, the basketball team, but their their hockey team has made the Frozen Four and made the NCAA tournament a few times. Uh, their football team, obviously, we we kind of have a close connection with the football coach over there. They've been good for the last five or six years or something. So, Fair State for for D two and in the GLIAC over there, they're they're a pretty legit program. Have you guys heard Andy Bronkema Bronkema Bronkema's story on how he became Ferris's head coach? Well, yeah, he went from he, – he played high school ball at Manton, right? Yeah. And then they, he went to Cornerstone and played hoops there, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, was an assistant. But what's the real no, background? He, well, he went to Ferris, like – or Big Rapids to coach some charter school, I think, and it, it like, fell yeah. through something along oh. the lines of that. And then he volunteered at Ferris for a few years. Okay. And then the job opened up, and the two people ahead of him apply, uh, didn't want it when they were offered the jobs, and he, he slid in, and now he's the national champion coach and probably coach of the year. Yeah. Well, he is definitely coach of the year. And, uh, you know, he's rocking that beard, which is, which is cool to see. And you don't think there's going to be some offers coming his way. i got to believe there will be. He's only 34. Oh, yeah, you would think so. I mean, I, I feel like he might stay there for a little bit, but unless he just has a crazy connection to uh, Big Rapids, I, I would think that he's going to move on to some, some bigger bigger schools or something. But, yeah, it's definitely a cool story because you got yeah Michigan basketball in the Final Four, Michigan hockey in the Frozen Four, and then Ferris State won the national championship in basketball for uh, Division Two. So, so Michigan schools getting some love. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, do you have do you have GLIAC pride, or are you a little bit uh, jealous of Ferris because Grand Valley really had a nice run for a while in in a lot of multiple sports? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have GLIAC pride. I, I a Grand Valley State fan, but I never got like too into the athletics there. I went to some football games because when I was there uh, was when they were actually they won a couple national championships, right? And their basketball team was good, so. Uh, their baseball team actually was good too, but it was more about the football team, obviously. So, so I did go to some football games and stuff, but I was mostly going to East Lansing and Ann Arbor on the weekends to watch Michigan and Michigan State. But, but no, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's cool to see a GLIAC team and a, a Michigan school win a national championship. No doubt about it. So I was going to ask you guys about opening day. Uh, baseball Yippee. started today, and you know, you see all the. 
all the pride around the country, everyone wearing their Yankees caps or Dodgers caps, you know, whatever, the old English D. But but I feel like it was almost a sign for for what the Tiger season is, is going to be, that opening day in Detroit got rained out today. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the biggest holidays in the state of Michigan, especially mm-hmm. in Detroit, and it's rained out, and it might be the sign of things to come, yeah. for I, sure. That's, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like, I, this was probably going to be one of there, – there's going to be some series, obviously, that'll be – bring in some fans but opening day usually is at least opening weekend one of the only times that comerica might sell out this season and it's just like it gets rained out so that's not a good sign and then my biggest thing is you know they the roster isn't that great this year there's not a whole lot of hope going in the season but garden hire comes in as the manager so you know he he's a proven proven manager but he names jordan zimmerman as the opening day starter when you have michael fulmer there and I mean, maybe Zimmerman's showing he'll have to promise this this uh, spring training and everything. But for for him to name Zimmerman the opening day starter over Fulmer, it just made me it made me not even want to watch opening day. I don't know about you guys. In the, in the research I did, I saw they lost like seven straight in uh, spring training. Right to to end it. But is so is like is Mag like honestly is is Maglio Ordonia still around or is he, is he retired? I, <laughs> no, I think he's that was done. like the last few years I was. Uh, he's done. Yeah, he's been out for a couple of years. Yes, it's it's just crazy to think. I mean, we 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 talk about the three the three generations on this podcast, and you know, so Ted, you've been watching the Tigers for for forty fifty years. You know, whatever I've been yeah. watching my whole life too. But like I was thinking about it today, Jared. Basically, for your whole lifetime, I mean, basically since, like, 2003, the, the Tigers signed Pudge and Carlos Guillen in 2004. Right. And basically from then on, the Tigers have been one of the best teams in the American League. Um, they've had some seasons that they didn't make the playoffs, but they've always been one of the best teams in the American League, won a bunch of division titles, went to the World Series a few times, you know, Cabrera, Triple Crown, a bunch of Cy Youngs, you know, all this stuff. So for the past, whatever, 14, 15 years, the Tigers have been great. This is the first time in a while, and some some kids and Tigers fans' generation, uh, their whole life, that the Tigers haven't been any good. So, like, how, how long is this real rebuilding process going to take to you guys? I mean, is, is there any hope? You know, like, how long is it going to take? It's going to be a probably four or five year process before they get even respectable. My hope this year is they don't get blown out consistently. I, hopefully they stay in games and they're fairly close. You know, the over-under is 67.5. I mean, I, I think they're going to be lucky to get 63 and stay away from that 100-loss season. What do you guys think? You know what could turn it all around? What's that? Sister Did Jean? You, no. <laughs> close. Okay. Did you see that Darren Ravel tweeted that Marlins man, the Tigers oh, offered yes, him to yes. be Tigers man? Right. If we get Marlins man, oh, I, I'll probably watch every game. If he's sitting behind home plate in that bright orange outfit, oh, he's must-watch TV. We must-watch. We might need that. I know, Matt, I saw a tweet of yours uh, that was along the lines that it's too bad the Tigers didn't win a World Series in this last decade, and and that's a fact. I mean, they had enough talent there, especially when they had uh, Verlander and Scherzer back-to-back. I mean, they should have won a, won a World price? Series. Yeah, and Price, right. Yeah, I mean, at one point, their starting rotation was Verlander, Scherzer, Price, and Porcello, who ended yeah. up winning a Cy Young. Porcello. I mean, like... And they had Cabrera, they had Prince Fielder, they had Victor Martinez when he was actually doing well. Kind of in his prime. I mean, prime. They, they had so much talent in the last 10 years, mixing a bunch of other guys who they've had in and out, that it, it really is a shame that they didn't get one World Series. Because, I mean, to have the kind of talent, especially all around the pitching staff, and it seems like the bullpen was always something that they didn't quite have uh, have the best guys in the bullpen. But, 
it's a shame because now, like we just said, we're, we're looking at, I don't know, it might be a few years, four or five years until they're actually legit contenders again. So, so it does kind of suck. And, you know, this is the first year since I moved away from Michigan that I actually canceled my, uh, my MLB.TV subscription because I was like, I'm not, I can't justify paying a few hundred bucks to, to watch the Tigers when they're maybe going to lose a hundred games. So yeah. that was kind of depressing when I canceled that, but you know, I guess I guess it's one of those things. Like you can look back, and it it does suck they didn't win a World Series, but they were good for a long time, and they we got to watch a lot of playoff baseball and a couple World Series. So I guess I guess we can we can hang our hats on that. Yeah, and it might be kind of fun to go to the ballpark and watch a couple games, you know, live. I think they're going to be. I think under Garden Hire, I think he's a good manager for a younger team, and if they decide to really go youth, maybe trade Fulmer. I'm hearing some of that. Maybe somewhere in the season, get some even younger people, younger pitchers. You got to just go for broke and and really go young. I think at this point and play hard. You know, the one thing I have liked for. You know, I'm the millennial or whatever. We're not. I guess we're not big baseball fans. Is sort of the stereotype. I'm personally not a true. baseball fan. Yeah. Did you guys see like the the Mookie Betts uh, like in game interview when he was I in the outfield? That. that that's what baseball needs. A little colorfulness. Yeah. Just why why not? That's what baseball yeah. is made for. Just put a mic on him. He can right. talk in between pitches. It's just. That's what they need to do. 100% agree. They've done that a couple times. Well, spring training, but I feel like they did it in the All-Star game a couple times. They have. And it was great. They put a mic on Bryce Harper, I remember, and it was it was awesome. I definitely agree with that. Well, I think we're going to see baseball make a lot of changes as we move forward. As Like you said, Jared, the, the millennials, they got to get them interested in baseball. I mean, is it a little too <laughs> slow pace? Millennials. <laughs> I think the biggest thing, I was to, just speaking of that real quick, if these games last so long, I mean, it, that's why like a lot of younger fans are starting to move towards like soccer and other sports that oh. move a little quicker because you can watch the first couple innings, take a nap for an hour or two, and still catch the end of the game. I mean, baseball is so slow. I mean, if if you're a purist and you love baseball, it's cool and everything, but but they need to figure out a way to speed the game up. Too many relief pitchers, too many pitching changes in my mind. I don't see it changing, but that's really slowed the game down big time, you know? Well, let's just hope the Tigers can, like I say, be somewhat respectable. Real, before we wrap the baseball segment, guys, what do you think? 67.5 is the over-under. What do you think? Over-under? What, what do you got? Um, I think they might go over, but just barely. I don't think they're going to go much over. Their their roster is just terrible. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, you got a roster with a guy like Miguel Cabrera, maybe the best hitter of this generation on it and and they're just they're gonna let him waste away it's kind of like kind of like my guy Kobe Bryant I know I am a Lakers fan Jared it's kind of like the roster that Kobe had the last few years of his career I feel like that's going to be Miguel Cabrera give me the under uh, hey, give me the yeah, under. I, unfortunately I'm with you there I'm gonna say 60 60 wins and Thanks. yeah and they're gonna play hard but they just don't have the team the pitching a lot of unproven players, and it's going to be a long one down there at the Copa. When you got real quick, I, I was I was going to point this out. You got a guy like Victor Martinez, who was one of the best hitters for a long time. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen the stats on his base running. <laughs> he statistically is the worst base runner in the history of Major League Baseball. He's a, he's that guy that hits one to the gap to like left center, right center, and it's just a long single. Yep. And you got a guy like that that's supposed to be Miguel Cabrera's protection. Uh, it's it's a shame that uh, it kind of frustrates me when I talk about it but, that they never won a World Series. But who knows? Maybe maybe you can go hang out with Paws at Copa and, and watch some games. Go get them, Tigers. <laughs> 
Well, Sportsnet Michigan has thousands of high school game radio broadcasts available on compact disc or digital download going all the way back to 85. For a sample, check out the posted games right here at 3 Point Podcast. And for details, email us at 3pointpod at gmail.com. Well, next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. watched uh, Michigan beat Florida State at Rivals Tap House in Crona with my lovely wife Jackie. At halftime, I ordered another fantastic burger at my age. Doesn't matter how fat I am, I can eat as much as I want and drink because I ordered another beer. Well, anyway, I'm ordering another beer and the guy next to me says, hey, are you Jack Strap? And I said, well, yes, sure. Do I owe you money? <laughs> oh, he didn't think it was that funny and really, I guess it wasn't. But anyway, he began telling me how he liked the three-point podcast, and he wondered how in the hell I was, and uh, I got hooked up with the show with you guys, so I shared my story. So, I figured this might be a good time to share it with others. Well, my son, Jake, knew Ted back in high school. They were both hippies, and one <laughs> night in February of 1974, I decided to attend a Corona Home Varsity basketball game against Hazlitt, and my sister-in-law, Edith, she had a son on the JV team. She lived out in the Lansing area. Well, Corona had a pretty good team that year with Teddy and Mark Vallisek, and the game was quite chippy-skippy, and in the fourth quarter, all hell broke loose. I'll, I'll let Teddy explain it at this point. Well, yeah, we had a couple of local refs, as a matter of fact, uh, Bill Renwick and uh, Gary Schooley, and things were, were getting a little chippy in that game, and Hazlitt had a guard that uh, was jawing at me all night long, and then he came down court and intentionally hit me with an elbow in the face, and uh, I was known to have a little bit of a temper, so I kind of went at him. Fans started going at it, and it was all hell broke loose, and they called the game with about two minutes to go. Finally, fi- finally cleared out the gym. And then I've never been one to avoid a fight, and so uh, I really don't like my nephew anyway, so I was in the mood to beat a Hazlitt guy up too, so I jumped down onto the court, and uh, and I got into the melee, and I, I think I helped break up the fight, actually, with this guy named McCoy. I think he had <laughs> one of his kids on the team. Is that right, Ted? That, that's exactly right. Jack McCoy's dad. Yep, so anyway, uh, so now fast forward to 1975, and I'm having a drink at Melody Bar in Owasso with my dad, Jocko, and who do I see but Teddy? Well, of course, we strike up a conversation because that was sort of a, an interesting night, and I told him I liked how he was scrappy and the way he played, and we had no trouble communicating, and perhaps that had something to do with the beer. I don't know, but eventually I ordered a round of beer for Teddy and, uh, and his buddies there and uh, we sort of struck up a friendship yeah as a matter of fact uh, i played for melody bar my first year in city league i met jack he was sitting at the bar talking with uh, the general manager of the bar al haskins and it was really great you bought the round of drinks as a matter of fact that night was the very first night i met my wife lana we were out on a blind date how about that exactly exactly i'm not sure i ever paid that bill either but uh, <laughs> anyway so periodically i'd run into ted and laura and we would always catch up on the tigers and the lions and whatever sports topic was on the radar well this past summer i ran into him at the grocery store and he mentioned the podcast and said that uh, hey you know we need a voice like yours to represent the greatest generation so here i am well i'll tell you what you fit right in we have uh, three generations mainly here as the host but uh, we've thought it'd be a great idea to get the fourth guy tell us about the old days and you fit the bill well i know 
I know you probably have some empathy on the old man here, but that's okay, because my old buddies that I have uh, coffee with, they, they get a kick out of the fact that I'm down there. And uh, sure, I like to embellish here and there, but I really appreciate you guys letting me on. So now, on to my comments quickly on basketball. Yes, so please. the big question of the day is, will Michigan defeat Sister Jean and Loyola? I'm going to begin with a quote from Hoosiers. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the head, and he fell to the ground. And then the Philistine got up and pushed David so hard that he bumped into Sister Jean's wheelchair, <laughs> and she rolled down the ramp out of the San Antonio Arena, and she missed the second half and was not available for an interview with Dickie V. Oh, baby, it's a miracle. She's not on the camera. Michigan's defense will wear down Loyola and the offense will move into high gear in the fourth quarter, winning the game 70-59, to fellas, giving Coach John Beheim another trip to the championship against Villanova, where they'll win another one. Michigan will do it with defense. I wish the football team would follow suit. There's nothing better than seeing Michigan crank down on defense and win it the hard way. All right, guys, I got to go. Take care. See you, Jack. Whatever Jack Straff says, you have to take with a grain of salt. Like I said, he couldn't even pick the same bracket winner to, for two different for his bracket. Oh wait uh, a minute, the greatest generation! You give the guy a break. Come on. I, I did love that story you guys told. Jack Strap would have. So he said he claimed that you graduated like what the sixties? <laughs> no. That's well, maybe I got he, from maybe him. he did. <laughs> you didn't argue he, it. I, he was a little off on that one. A little bit, not much. But it's always great to hear from him, and uh, it was good to hear the story how he uh, he got hooked up with us, and we got him a part of this show every week, guys. Heck yeah. Any final thoughts? Go blue. Go blue all the way. So we'll wrap it up for now, fellas. And again, to all our listeners, let's share this pod with all your friends. Give us your feedback, even even feedback from our Spartan friends out there. Email us at threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, you're at... Burn Z381. And J-Rod. At Jared Fatal. And even the gener- the greatest generations, Jackstrap has a handle. At Jackstrap88. Again, I want to thank our sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill, our partner in the three-point podcast bracket challenge. Our next broadcast, we'll be able to announce the winners for that. We also want to thank the Corona Connection and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast. <laughs>